Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. On this show, we are like a lot of you and really like all of us are probably with live. It's just good to have things to look forward to. It's really one of the reasons why sports are so popular you know, for all of us is it's one of those things that help us mark time. It helps us have something to look forward to. It just life is more interesting when you have these things on the horizon that you get excited about. And obviously, for those of you that tune into a show like this or someone like me who does a show like this for a living, the thing this time of year that we're looking forward to is the upcoming season. And when it comes to Georgia, Oregon at the beginning of the year, I mean, if you're a casual fan, you don't understand this at all. Uh, but we've already talked about the Georgia, Oregon game a pretty good bit, right? There's already been a lot of breakdown, a lot of thoughts on it, whatever else. And it's been kind of out there on the horizon now for a little while. In fact, it's been on the horizon now, you know, more than a year. And in the mind of some Georgia fans, ooh, kind of interesting to play that uniform, kind of interesting to play that brand. We didn't know then it'd be Dan Lanning as the head coach and all the things have kind of changed since then. But but Georgia, Oregon has been on the mind of UGA fans for quite some time. However, there are moments here, though, when looking ahead to the game, anticipating the game, getting excited about the game, gets a little easier once you have a little bit more information about the game. Because let's face it, Georgia fans, they like the uh, action between the white lines, but they also like the tailgating part of all this too. And they want to know, okay, what does my day look like? And the thing that determines what the day looks like is when the game kicks off. Like all these Alabama fans, Texas fans right now mad because their September 10th showdown is going to take place at 11 a.m. local time. Obviously, no one kind of likes that from the tailgating uh, perspective. So Georgia fans, Oregon fans were kind of hoping for a for a good game time for that game and yesterday we found out that I'd say you maybe have the best of them all to me the best time to play games different people have different feelings some people like the really late starts I mean there are people who like the earlier noon type starts but for me the very best game time of all is probably 3 30 p.m. and as it turns out that is when George is going to play Oregon 3 30 p.m. right there in Mercedes-Benz Stadium to kick off the season in that Chick-fil-A kickoff game it's a venue that Georgia knows well it's a it's an event that Georgia's played in before under Kirby Smart so all of that feels really good now I also thought that Georgia yesterday did something really fun especially if you're like me now we had some commenters earlier like hey I'm not a child of the 80s so I had to you know you, you, some people didn't really know what this was but if you're a child of the 80s and you uh, have fun with that kind of stuff the old game duck hunt from the original like 8-bit Nintendo entertainment system Georgia on video yesterday kind of throwing back to that with its own announcement about the 330 start for the game this is too fun not to play so let me play this for you on video and then we'll talk about it a little bit the dogs announcing the game time for the ducks in style this was funny from yesterday So that was fun, and uh, Georgia doing that. I think y'all could hear that, but I couldn't on, on my side. The old, you know, music and the old, very, very basic graphics and all of that. And I've told you before that, you know, for me, these kinds of things for Georgia are probably pretty important, right? Because listen, Georgia's got a very buttoned-up head coach, very, very business-like approach from Kirby Smart, and that's kind of what we want Kirby Smart to be, right? We want Kirby to be that focused, that intense, that you know, that that laser 
you know, laser locked on, you know, whatever the task is at hand. We don't want him to be joking around being goofy. I mean, you know, it's kind of nice to have, you know, a little personality from your head coach and smart does. But when it comes to the football part of this, Georgia fans are pretty comfortable with smart being as intense as he is. That's that that's certainly the case. However, uh, if you're going to have a head coach, the leader of your program, the voice for your program, that's that intense. Man, you got to try to have some fun somewhere. And so I, I told you the other day that having good videos and and you know having kind of a little bit of a social media personality is actually more important for a program like Georgia because of the fact that the head coach is going to be leading the program in such a way with all business approach, very intense approach that trying to find a way to stop and smell the roses somewhere else is probably a pretty important thing to do. And we kind of liked that when, you know, Georgia had a video the other day we thought was kind of an example of that, kind of teasing a little bit of a slight uniform change. And that feels like the kind of thing that Georgia should look for opportunities to do when it can because you've got a very intense head coach who, for the most part, takes a pretty all-business approach. Same thing here with finding a way to put a humorous, fun spin on the Oregon game time announcement. That's probably a pretty good thing. Now, watching that video, and if you're on video watching us, you probably saw it. Maybe it was the first time. Maybe you saw it yesterday. There were also some Georgia fans who thought maybe they saw a little bit of a clue there about something. When Harry Dog pops up the way the dog would have in the old Duck Hunt video game, when Harry Dog pops up there, you see him wearing the black jersey. For a lot of Georgia fans, they were like, is that that an homage to the fact that Georgia might wear black jerseys for the game against Oregon? I, I don't know the answer to that question, but it was certainly interesting, and you'll see it on video here again for those of you watching. It was certainly interesting to see that with the Mercedes-Benz State in the background. This is all just really good. I mean, this probably was a lot of work, to be honest with you. Certainly, certainly more than my uh, online capabilities would allow me to make. But Harry there in the uh, black jersey, some folks wondered, uh, is this an example of is George going to wear the black jerseys there for the game? I guess we'll find that out uh, a little bit later on. But pretty fun stuff with George with the video release. And of course, as we said before, you know, Kirby's actually kind of already talked about the Oregon game here a little bit there as well. He was with the Chick-fil-A folks. They run the game, the Peach Bowl folks at their celebrity golf tournament the other day. And one of their PR people asked him at the time about, you know, how much he's kind of already thought about the Oregon game. Sharp contrast here from the social media department. The video folks having fun with all of this. Kirby Smart, now he's not having fun with the Oregon game. He's getting ready for it. He's trying to figure out what the Ducks bring to Atlanta there for that game. This is what Smart said about Georgia, Oregon a couple of weeks ago. Here's Kirby. We looked at them in the spring and kind of studied those guys. It makes it awkward, you know, the new head coach. You can take the, the you know, the film and the things you're really looking more at who the players are than anything. Um, very familiar with Dan Lanning, very familiar with a lot of guys on the staff. His offensive coordinator was at Auburn and also at FSU. So we looked at those guys. But got a lot of respect for Dan and what he did for our program and know he'll do a really good job uh, there at Oregon. So Smart says we're trying to get ready for the game and you're watching film and you got to try to figure out, okay, this player, including quarterback Bo Nix, he was at Auburn, so maybe you watch some Auburn film or maybe you go back and watch some of your own film, kind of a little bit of a self-scout of what Lanning was doing, what his tendencies might have been that may be slightly different than maybe what Kirby wanted to do. Does that give you a hint about what kind of head coach is going to be and watching the Oregon players who are still there trying to get ready for all of that? Obviously, even in the spring, Georgia's already thinking about those things, looking ahead to the first game of the season. And around here, we're kind of doing the same type of thing. And when we can, I think it's really fun to give a bold prediction. Now, here's the thing you got to understand is that 
a bold prediction has to be bold to be a bold prediction. In other words, if I sat here and said, let me tell you this, now that this game time has been settled and now that we know all of this, here's my prediction for the game. I believe that Georgia week one comes out and earns itself a win against Dan Lanning and those Oregon Ducks. Here's what you already know. That's not a bold prediction. Georgia's the reigning national champion, for goodness sakes. Dan Lanning's coaching his very first game ever. Georgia's already been established as like a 16.5-point favorite by FanDuel. Oh, the win sportsbook in Las Vegas the other day had Georgia as a 15-point favorite. Anyway, you look, Georgia's more than a two-touchdown favorite here. Me coming out and saying, Georgia's going to win this game to start the 2022 season, that wouldn't count as a bold prediction. Frankly, nor would it count as a bold prediction if I said, not only is Georgia going to win, Georgia's going to go out and cover the spread. That wouldn't count as a bold prediction either because the spread theoretically sort of set at a part where, at a place where there's about a 50-50 chance that the favored team would cover the spread or maybe about a 50-50 chance that the team that's the underdog might cover the spread. But just picking the favored team to cover the spread, that's a prediction but it wouldn't necessarily count as a bold prediction. So you understand the definition here of what a bold prediction would be? So if I'm going to make a bold prediction, obviously I don't have to. There's no law that says you have to, but bold predictions are fun. They're just fun to do, and we're kind of doing this in fun. We're not doing it to get attention or whatever else. We're just kind of, it's just kind of fun to think about these things in this manner. So I want to give you my bold prediction for the game against Oregon to begin the season. I believe that Georgia is going to shut out Oregon. Now, <laughs> that's really funny. Our producer, Michael Carvel, has uh, put on the screen Dan Lanning doing the Oregon O, which I guess could stand for zero here in this game. That's really funny uh, for Michael there on that. And that is my bold prediction. I believe that Georgia is going to shut out Oregon to begin the year. Now, as I said before, it's got to be bold to be a bold prediction and predicting a shutout is somewhat bold but if you look a little deeper on this it's actually not maybe quite as bold as you might think because let's not forget who is Georgia facing at quarterback here in this game it is Bo Nix now I probably think that Nix is a better quarterback than some of y'all do but it's fair to point out that in three previous tries against Georgia Nix has not fared very well with better talent on those Auburn teams than he'll have with him around the Oregon Ducks on this particular Saturday to start the season. Three previous games against Georgia, Nick's is one touchdown, two picks. So it's not like Nick's is lighting the world on fire when he's played Georgia previously, and that was with better talent around him than he'll have at Oregon uh, coming up here. Also, in those three tries as the Auburn quarterback against Georgia, Nick's teams have only averaged 10 points per game in those three contests anyway. So against Bo Nick's, Georgia's come pretty close to shutting him out in the past, saying that you could do that on the first Saturday to start the 2022 season. Once again, that's not a huge, huge sort of grasp, just given kind of where the Oregon program is. They weren't great offensively a year ago. They were like, you know, kind of knocking on the door of right there on the top 40 and yards per play and, and, and points scored nationally. They were like third in the Pac-12. So, I mean, part of the issue that Mario Cristobal, the previous coach, had was he never really established a great offense at Oregon. You think about the old Chip Kelly-style offenses. That's not what Oregon has been offensively uh, in the Mario Cristobal area. So that's kind of one of the issues that Dan Lanning's got to fix there. 
They need to be better offensively, but our guess is here in Lanning's first game, that's not necessarily going to be true. Bo Nix, probably a pretty good quarterback, but against Georgia, that's just not quite the case. So it's not a huge stretch to think that Nix wouldn't play well against Georgia. He never really has. And it's not a huge stretch to think that Oregon won't play great offensively. For the most part, in recent seasons, they haven't really done that. Then you get to this, and this is what this kind of comes down to for me. My guess is, is that you see a Georgia team for this particular game that's dealing with a good bit of motivation. Because here's the one thing we know that Kirby Smart does really well. Some of you have been to practices, booster-type people. Some of you have been to the scrimmages. Some of you have heard this with your own ears. And some of you have heard of people who have been at these practices and scrimmages who've said this kind of stuff. When Smart can leverage something for his benefit when it comes to motivation, he chooses to do that. I remember in 2019 when George was thought to have, as Smart called it one time in a practice, the greatest offensive line in the history of ball. When he has a chance to be kind of, you know, somewhat, you know, mocking and sarcastic about something like that, to push guys who have accolades to be a little bit better version of himself. Some of you with your own ears heard Smart doing that at a scrimmage a couple of years ago. You don't think he's about to do that kind of thing with this defense? You don't think he's about to look at Jalen Carter and say, nobody thinks you can lead this defense the way that Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis and Trayvon Walker led it a year ago. People think that Georgia lost its defensive line when those three guys left. You don't think Kirby Smart's going to look at uh, at Jalen Carter and say, what are you going to do about the people who think the talent walked out the door when those three first-round defensive linemen left this program. Or look at Jamon Dumas-Johnson and say, no one thinks that you're uh, a N'Kobe Dean. No one thinks you're a Quay Walker. No one thinks you're a Channing Tindall. People think the talent walked out of this program the day those three drafted linebackers left. And the same thing with every other position group on and on and on and on. You don't think that Kirby Smart's going to lean on that as some form of motivation for Georgia as you head towards the start of the upcoming season. And you don't think this Georgia defense that does remain incredibly talented. You don't think this Georgia defense is going to be in a horrendously bad mood the first time they get a chance to play against a different color helmet and a different color uniform, not scrimmaging against itself for the first time, but playing against somebody else. You don't think Georgia's going to be chomping the bit, ready to go on that? Now, it is obvious there's a chance that the Georgia Bulldogs may not be as good defensively as they were a year ago. David Pollock told us on Friday there could be a statistical step back. They may allow 10 more points per game this year than they did a year ago. Maybe that's true, but I don't believe it's going to be true week one. I believe that Georgia is going to send a message to the rest of the country that it is still really, really good defensively. And a rookie head coach against the reigning national champions, that's just as hard as it sounds like it would be. Traveling from Eugene, Oregon, 3,000 miles to play the dogs in their own backyard right there in Atlanta, that's just as hard as it sounds like it might be. That Georgia is going to be more than ready to go for the Oregon Ducks. Favored by 16, favored by 15, not sure the final margin of victory. But our prediction is the scoreboard for the Ducks shows a zero next to their name. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented by Breda Pest Management and happy to have you with us today. No matter how you get to us on video 945, first and 15, dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. On video after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, the Rev, and as a podcast. 
the Apple Player, Spotify, the Google Player on the Android device, worldfamousdognation.com. A lot of ways for you to get in touch with our program. And we're just glad that you do that. And we're really grateful for our friends at Breda Pest Management who make it all possible. And listen, here's something else we're grateful for when it comes to Breda Pest Management. They are providing something for us right now that we desperately, desperately need. That's more money in our pockets. Now, you may say, well, BA, how are they doing that? Let me explain. Did you know that when you switch that your termite protection, your pest control uh, uh, providing provisions, (laughs) that word always trips me up a little bit. When you make Breda Pest Management your pest control provider, when you switch to them, you're going to save money instantly. That's going to put more money back in your pocket literally right away. And at this time in our lives, Boy, I'm not quite so sure that anything matters more than that. Finding a way to save when you can. And that's obviously what Breda Pass Management is going to do for you. But listen, there's no sacrifice on service when you do that, because when you switch to Breda Pass Management, you are switching to the official pest control provider of UG Athletics. That means the same organization that takes care of uh, Sanford Stadium and takes care of Foley Field and the equestrian complex and venues like that. They're going to be taking care of your home there as well. And they're going to take just as good a care of your home as they take care of the dog's home there, too. That's what Matt Brady and the entire team at Brady Pass Management have been doing since 1975. You've got 100-something people that work there. you get got all kinds of people dedicated to making sure your home is protected from bugs and critters. And so if you've been working with a termite company, a pest control company, they're talking about you know raising your rate once again. Listen, you don't need that in your life. Switch to our folks at Breda Pest Management and start saving right away. Find them online, BredaPest.com. That's B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com. Switch and save with Breda Pest Management there today. So I make a little bit of a bold prediction off the top. I'm sure I'll probably get some grief for that. But as I said before, this is all just in fun, right? We're just all, we're all having a good time with this and trying to uh, make it a fun summer. So a little bold prediction every now and then certainly gives you a chance to do that. And I love it when some of y'all share with me your own bold predictions whether it be about the dogs for the full season individual games or whatever else i'm sure we'll do a lot of that as the summer kind of rolls along there we'll also get mike griffith here coming up in just a moment on our program here today but before that speaking of kind of stirring the pot and kind of getting things going there is a lot of that going on right now when it comes to uga recruiting so let's make this kind of a topic for around the doghouse here for a moment and let's talk a little bit about what's being said. First of all, one of the guys that we love on social media is a guy named David Cooper, who works as a part of the Georgia recruiting staff and a guy that, you know, sort of boundless level of energy and always kind of seemingly, you know, doing some fun stuff and having some fun on social media. Recruits obviously love this guy. He's a big part of the recent success for UGA when it comes to, to that uh, talent acquisition phase. And on Twitter the other day, he was kind of hinting at maybe something big to come in the month that's on its way. Let me show you David Cooper on Twitter here just for a moment. I think you're going to find this to be interesting. So what Coach Coop says is, is that June's about to be, and he gives you some fire emojis. He says, y'all better get your popcorn ready. So obviously, this is something that Georgia fans have kind of had on their mind there as well about, you know, for, it, it's amazing how the, uh, the recruiting calendar is kind of altered, I would say, evolved here a little bit recently where – all of a sudden now, we used to think of like the summertime as being a little bit of a sleepy time, but because July is a dead period and because, you know, August for the most part, guys are kind of getting to the business of of, of being you know high school seniors and whatnot, it really has set up June as a massive month for official visits. We've already talked about some of those. We're going to talk more about them in the weeks to come. Certainly, Jeff Sintel will be a big part of those discussions, and you kind of wonder, well, based on what Cooper says there, are some of these big official visits also going to result in more additions here for the 2023 class kind of right away? Well, 
along the lines of that level of hype. How about one of the longtime UGA commits, one of the guys who's proven to be one of Georgia's best recruiters? That's Pierce Sperlin, the tight end. And by the way, tight ends have never been more in vogue than they are right now at UGA. Sperlin, another one of those good tight ends. And much like David Cooper's kind of fanning the flames and, and, and getting folks stirred up when it comes to, to the month of June, well, Pierce Sperlin is about to take his official visit to UGA. He's kind of doing the same thing. Let me show you. Sperlin here on Twitter said, y'all better be ready for that first week of June. He says, big news is coming. Now, we know that's a week in which Sperlin's going to take his official visit to UGA there. We know other uh, big visits are also already in the books for that time there, too. It's going to be you know, one of the biggest weeks of the year for Georgia when it comes to official visits. And because Sperlin is good friends with five-star quarterback Arch Manning, Somehow, I think there's been some some intrigue and wonder of, well, is what Sperlin says there, does that somehow relate to Arch Manning? Is he a part of all of this, this hype that's building for Georgia here in the month of June? We do know that Manning's kept his cards close to the vest for the most part here as of late, but it just so happens, as I speak to you here on this Wednesday morning, a few minutes ago, right before he took the air here for the most part, Jeff Sintel drops a story at dognation.com that is definitely worth your time. Very interesting in-depth look at Manning as a quarterback, but also any kind of story involving Manning emanating from New Orleans. That's where Jeff was last week, getting the information that leads to the story that's up at dognation.com right now. It's also going to look at a little bit of an angle involving the recruiting part of this there too. So with Sperlin saying what he's saying on the heels of what David Cooper said there as well, you're kind of left to wonder how much the man of the hour, Arch Manning, might factor into some of this kind of stuff. Let me show you a sentence or two here from Arch on uh, dognation.com, the story from Jeff Sintel about his view of the dogs here at the moment. This is Arch saying, I think that Georgia has a really good staff. They are just coming off a national championship. There are a lot of good players, especially on defense. You saw that last year. They were surrounded by talent, 15 NFL draft picks, still more there. There's a lot to like about Georgia. I'm looking forward to another visit to kind of get a final go around with them. That's Arch Manning with Jeff Sintel at dognation.com. Read the full story, get more of the Arch quotes, and also what Cooper Manning, his dad, and the folks around the uh, Manning family, what they are saying about that recruitment there right now. So this is an example of Arch, I'd say, being pretty careful. You know, he says good things about Texas, says good things about Alabama uh, there too. You know, to me, the most interesting thing to come out of Manning as of late is the notion that he might wait. This is not something that has to be a summertime decision for him. It's the kind of thing that he has said he'd be feel comfortable taking into the year, maybe all the way up to the early signing period. There has been some uh, assumptions there that maybe that's because he wants to see a little bit of what Steve Sarkeesian has going on at Texas. Is this the program from a year ago that had zero players drafted and pretty much fell flat on its face and any game of magnitude, or is this a program that's a little bit better than that in year two of Sark? Either way, Hard not to try to connect some of these dots of Manning says he wants to be back in Georgia. We know he's going to be coming for an official visit there at some point in time. Pierce Sperlin, the good friend of Manning, hinting in that early June time frame as first week in June as being a really big deal. And David Cooper kind of fanning those flames there as well. No matter what all of this kind of adds up to, here's what we do know is that it's about to be really fun around UGA recruiting. The month of June is going to have a lot of fireworks. Caleb Downs' official visit, all the other big things that are going to be going on there and uh, some folks already trying to drive up some interest on that. So I'm guessing the Georgia fans will take coach Cooper's advice. They'll have their popcorn ready 
and they will be ready to go for a very busy June. That is Around the Doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management here today. Before we're done, we're going to get into a couple of things. Uh, first of all, Georgia, an even bigger favorite than maybe some realize, and most of the games are going to be playing here this season. We'll talk more about that. Kind of an interesting th- opinion about the thought process for Nick Saban as he enters What's a pretty crucial year for him? We'll kind of get more into detail on that. We've got some funny golden shoes to give you there as well. But for now, on everything going on around Georgia football, a guy who's been covering it closely, let's talk to Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. A lot to discuss with Mike Griffith here today, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management. Uh, Mike, let me begin with this. Obviously, interesting news here at the top of the week. Marcus Washington Jr., really good-looking defensive back for the class of 2023, reclassifies now into the 2022 class. If you on paper, you got to say, you know, that defensive back haul for Georgia now for what we'll call a year ago is about as deep and as prolific as uh, any recruiting class going to be at that defensive back position. Washington certainly now part of that. I've said now a couple of times, I don't believe that Georgia would be bringing him in if they didn't think he was ready to compete right away. Uh, otherwise, they just let him go about his senior uh, season, I'm guessing. So I think he's showing up for a reason to be a factor in all of this. But like the one question that seems to loom on this, I've been asked it a few times myself, is, well, how's Georgia doing this? You know, we, we think of Georgia trying to, you know, manage a, a little bit of a scholarship number crunch as it is. And lo and behold, now it's taken reclassified 23s into the 2022 class as another name, another number to try to uh, to deal with and massage here. So I'll ask you the question that people seem to be asking me is, how is Georgia doing all this? Well, Brandon, when we talked with Kirby about a month ago, he indicated it, the numbers weren't as bad as we thought. We, we were thinking six or seven. He was telling me two or three. So what I'm guessing is there's some blue shirts involved here. And for those that aren't aware, that's guys that, that maybe um, don't take their scholarship until after this coming season. I don't know who those blue shirts would be. I don't think they come right out and announce that. But obviously there's some moving pieces here, as you said. And, you know, it's important that Georgia reloads like this. I mean, this the secondary has really been thin uh, the last two or three years. I thought last year they really did it with mirrors. I mean, it was so important that they got Darren Kendrick out of the portal, especially after Jalen Kimber was injured last fall. Um, so they've just been razor thin back there and, and really had a lot of mistakes covered up by that front seven, uh, listening to guys like Chris Smith and, and Lewis Seam telling us, you know, we're, we're not as good back there as you guys think. Those other teams just don't have time to get to us. Uh, but the, obviously that secondary grew up. Keely Ringo got much better. Christopher Smith returns, uh, so important. Uh, William Poole was a guy that stepped up, Dan Jackson. And yet you realize and think you've got to have some better talent back there. I thought Dalen Everett looked great in the spring game. And now to your point, uh, you know, you add yet another talented player in the secondary. Uh, and this, this could be a team that's going to grow right before our eyes because I – I, uh, as good as I think the front seven can be again, I don't think they'll be as good as they were last year. And that secondary is really going to be tested and they're going to have to grow up fast. And what's interesting about that, as you said, the last line there about growing up fast, I mean, from a measurable talent standpoint, I don't know you could do much better than Georgia has at what we think of as the cornerback position. I'm assuming that's what Washington's coming to Georgia right now to do is be another cornerback. And I mean, you, st- you watch guys run, you watch guys jump, you watch guys do things that athletes do. Georgia, the cornerback spot, 
looks about as good as anybody can. But other than Ringo, man, these guys are young. That you know, you mentioned no Darian Kendrick here right now, a guy that had played a ton, hadn't always played great in big games before coming to Georgia, but had played in a lot of games. Opposite um Ringo here for this upcoming season, Georgia may have a very talented and eventually maybe even a very good cornerback. But deciding who that starter is going to be is coming from a from a group of guys that just haven't played a ton of football as of yet, or in the case of maybe the most talented guys, guys who haven't played any football at all as of yet. Yeah, you know that's why I said it's it's going to be real interesting to see how fast these guys grow, and you know, and, and unfortunately, one of the things we have to take into account with these recruiting classes, I mean, it usually meant there was a pretty good chance these guys were going to stay their whole career, but. Boy, I'll tell you, with the portal, you just don't know, and the kids don't play right away, um, they leave. I mean, Georgia lost seven guys to the transfer portal, and four of them uh, had starts. You know, and, and so you look back and you go, man, how much would it have helped if some of these guys would have stuck around for depth and experience and, and things like that? So it is important to recruit like this every year. You're certainly helping yourself out. When you're able to get guys uh, like Washington, like I said, Dalen Everett, who I thought looked really good. I know he got beat by Aaron Smith on that deep ball, but he was in the spring game. But he was stride for stride, and and not many receivers are going to run past him because he was right there with Aaron. You know, Kamari Lasseter was a guy. I think he missed the spring game because Kirby said he was ill. Uh, you know, he was a guy that came on last fall, if you remember, and Kirby yep. said he was kind of a the rising star of the fall camp. So I do think there's some talent there. Um, but to the point, I don't think you can have enough depth because this NIL, this transfer portal, it's just such a game changer. So I'll give you my theory on this, then we'll talk about something different here for a moment. I really don't care what anybody thinks about any individual player. I, I just think that when you're making an evaluation of an individual player, I don't care how smart you are, you're likely to be 50% right, 50% wrong. Just individual player evaluations are not an easy thing to do. But I do put a lot of faith in numbers. So if you can give me a, a list of Slim Singletary and Dalen Everett and Julian Humphrey, and now you add Marcus Washington Jr. in that. If you want to think about safety, you add you know, a Malachi Starks in that conversation. If you're giving me that long list of elite recruits, I'd say the chances are one of those guys probably pops and probably pops pretty quick. You know, Which guy is it going to be? You may say one guy. I may say another. We may both be wrong. But if you give me a list of five – the chance of you pulling one there I think is probably pretty good. And if you can pair that with a healthy Kamari Laster to go along with a, you know, what you think of as a pretty rock-solid uh, Keely Ringo now, all of a sudden that starts to be a little bit of a recipe for something, of looking at those very young guys and saying it's not going to be all of them, but it's also not going to be none of them either. Yeah, I'd agree. I think the biggest holdback there is actually replacing Lewis Seen, you know, with all due respect to Dan Jackson. I don't think you're going to see him on Sundays. And, and I don't really think he's a frontline SEC player. Kind of a, you know, same thing with William Poole. You know, these are not guys that, you know, would start on half the teams in the league. But, you know, they came up big when they were needed to uh, for Georgia. They play well within the system. They're assignment sound. And, and they can be, uh, you know, pieces when you've got everything else in place. But Lewis Zane, it leaves a big gap. Uh, I think he was one of the premier safeties. And, you know, we'll see what Malachi Starks does. We'll see how fast they can get him plugged in. But to me, if there's one position that I worry about where maybe the numbers aren't great, where who knows? I mean, could there still be a transfer? I suppose. I mean, I know they said the cutoff was May 1st, but, you know, they have waivers, and the NCAA pretty much grants all of them after Kate Mays boohooed and his lawyer, you know, threatened, and all of a sudden the SEC changed the rules. So I, I think George is going to be fine, Brandon. 
I'm just, you know, I, it, it's hard to, to, to say you're going to take a half a step back, but man, that defense was so good. It, it was so good. I'm, I'm actually doing a lot of research on it now. Man, these guys were good. I don't know if we really realized how great they really were. And I think we'll probably notice a little drop off this year. One more thing on this topic here real quick. And you're right about the transfer portal. You know, uh, undergraduate guys had to be in by May 1st to be eligible for the upcoming season. But my understanding is graduate transfers didn't necessarily have to do that. So maybe if Georgia brings somebody in now that's not already in the portal, maybe it's a grad transfer type guy. And who knows who that might even be. But along those same lines, how about another former transfer to Georgia? And that's Tyke Smith. And I think a lot of folks are going to wonder, well, how does Tyke fit in this conversation, whether it be at the star position or maybe at the safety position? Um, you know, how does he fit into this? And to be honest with you, Mike, I don't really know the answer to that. I've heard different things about Tyke. And, uh, you know, obviously we didn't see this with our own eyes a year ago because, because of injury. So I, I know that people look at him as, well, this is a 2020 All-American who didn't play last year. But, I mean, that's another big addition for the Georgia defense. But I don't quite know if it's, I mean, if it's quite that way. To me, to be honest with you, it's being an All-American playing at West Virginia, being an All-American playing at Georgia are, are two very different things, I'd say, for the most part. So, I don't know what Georgia has in Tyke Smith. Do you? <laughs> I, I think he's great against the run. I've heard he's really good in the box. You know, I don't know where he's at in coverage. You know, I suppose Georgia could change some things up with their safeties. I saw Tennessee do that one year back in the Fred White, Deion Grant days. They had a center fielder and another guy that was coming up in that star or, or bandit position, if you will. Uh, you know, monster man, whatever high school scheme you played in. Uh, you know, that, uh, you know, quasi DB linebacker. And that, and that's what we're going to see from Tyke. I mean, Tyke is going to be great against the run. I think there's receivers and tight ends he can cover. I don't think you want to put him up against elite guys. But, you know, the star position is so big nowadays with the way teams spread out, uh, certainly against uh, Alabama, which let's face it, ultimately that's, that's the roadblock that Georgia's going to have to get through if they're going to win back-to-back national championships. Um, but I do think Tyke will be an immediate contributor, and I, and I think we'll probably see him starting. I know we, we look at George as a 3-4. We talk about him being a 3-4, but truly they're really more of a 3-3-5. So, and, I, and I think Tyke's at 5. You know, He's at 4.5, if you will, uh, at that star position. Important to note the context for all of this is we can talk about these individual positions and areas where George is trying to figure some stuff out. But as you've written at DogNation.com, looking at FanDuel the other day and, uh, you know, the win casinos had some thoughts on this too Georgia's still a massive favorite in almost any game of note for the upcoming season you know 16 against Oregon you know more than two touchdowns pretty much everywhere huge favorite on the road at Kentucky big favorite against uh Tennessee at home I think 17 and a half about 17 right now against Florida you know across the board uh, Danny Sheridan even says they're going to be a double-digit favorite in every game they play here this year that across the board this is a team right now that's uh, at least not expected to be challenged in the regular season by the odds makers. What do you think about some of those point spreads that are trickling in? Yeah, you know, I think it's fool's gold at this point. I, you know, these futures bets always scare me because you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, yeah, on paper, Georgia should be better than the, but you know, how are these other teams going to change? You know, it's, it's year two for Hendon Hooker at Tennessee, it's year two for Will Levis at Kentucky. You know, Hooker led the league in passing efficiency. Levis is a projected first-round draft pick. What happens with Spencer Rattler at South Carolina? Do, do they catch fire early? Uh, you know, how does Georgia evolve, uh, you know, in, in fall camp and in the offseason? We think it's good, but these are different faces and different names. And, 
And what happened last year was, was special. And as we said, and, and as Kirby Smart said, they can't replicate what they did last year. He said that. We can't do it the same. And and they'll have to be done differently. And, and uh, you know, Kirby's done such a great job from year to year. But this is just such a massive reload. No one's ever had to do this. No one has ever had the combination of 15 NFL draft picks. And let's be honest, 16 if you really want to count Adam, what Andrew Anderson meant to the team, uh, in addition to a transfer portal to deal with, where you lose seven guys out of your two deep and four guys that started, and oh, by the way, you also had to replace four assistant coaches. Now, when we look at this uh, on a micro level, uh, especially the coaching changes, we go, you know what, we, we like uh, you know who they've plugged in. We like the BMAC hire. We think Schumann and Muschamp uh, can accommodate the spot that Dan Lanning once held. Um, we like this incoming talent, an, another great class, and now adding another DB. But you still have to do it. So uh, while I look at those spreads and I go, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me if you beat Oregon by 16. It wouldn't surprise me if you beat Kentucky or Tennessee by 17 or Florida by 17. But you know what else wouldn't surprise me? If one of those teams were able to sneak through there and pull a 2019 South Carolina. Because outside of the last season, Brandon, that's something that had happened to these dogs each year. But don't you think Georgia – I mean, listen, I understand where you're coming from. I I, I mean, I, I don't deny your premise, but just as a way of furthering the conversation. Don't you think Georgia as a program has just grown significantly since it was getting upset by South Carolina in 2019? Because, I mean, that's that, that, that was a pretty big outlier. Losing as a double-digit favorite, that's the only time that's happened, certainly in the uh, Kirby Smart. They don't even have a lot of examples of even losing any games as a point-spread favorite, but losing that day – as a double-digit favorite, but that was also a team that was scoring about 21 points in SEC play. I mean, I would say this program has grown a lot since it was scuffling to find any points against a team like South Carolina. I'm talking about, you know, not just the national championship year, but really just in general, you know, beyond that. I, I just think there's been a lot of program maturity since they were scuffling around against the likes of South Carolina in 2019. Well, you know, Kirby made the point that the 2018 Georgia team was probably capable of winning a national championship. And I agree. Um, and 2019 was the year after, the year after they lost a lot of those players, the year after they lost uh, most all of their receiving core, um, the year after the the running back, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, it, it just, things change from season to season. I, I don't think, you know, I, I listen, yes, Georgia is a championship caliber program. They, they really have been the last five years they've been a top 10 team. I, I think it just comes down to attrition and how quickly can you grow uh, your team and and other teams have gotten better. I, I think the East is going to be better this year than it was last year. I don't. You take a look at the the first year quarterbacks Georgia faced last year. Uh, they they played a lot of rookie quarterbacks. It, it helps. It helps when it's uh, you know Hendon Hooker year one and it's Will Levis year one and and Florida starts Richardson and he self destructs in a three to zero game at the end of the first half. You're going to have more experienced players on the other side. And your defense isn't going to be as good. David Pollock said on your show Friday, yeah. one of the best interviews of the offseason, David Pollock said Georgia's going to give up 10 points more per game on defense. And if that's the case, you will be asking Stetson Bennett and the offense to do more. And uh, the numbers suggest they could if you look at the first half scoring versus second half scoring. But in practice, uh, how many how many games have you really come from behind in? Um, what's happened when you've fallen behind? It, it, you know, it. So there's some there's some uncharted waters and and I've got confidence in Georgia I, I do 
Uh, I do think they'll win the East. I do think they'll play in the SEC championship game. Um, but um, it, it's hard to go undefeated. That's why you know, Georgia didn't go undefeated last year. They had arguably the greatest defense of the modern era. They gave up 41 points in a game. Um, you know, the, the Chicago Bears of 85, which I think was the greatest defense of all time at any level, Me too. lost to the Miami Dolphins. Yep. So it just it's more of an odd thing. It's like, it, it, and I would ask you, B.A., to your point, individually, neither one of us would pick anybody to beat Georgia. But if I asked you to, if you had to bet if Georgia would go undefeated or lose one game but next year, I think most people would admit they would bet that they would lose one game. Not in the regular season. I, um, it's hard to take a team – I, I, let me give you a full answer to your question. If I if you force me to take an over under on Georgia at eleven and a half, I'd go over, um, just because I do feel like that Georgia's that much better than its regular season competition. Now come December, who knows what happens after that? But uh, at eleven and a half over under, if you force me to take one side of the over, I'm definitely taking the over on that. I'm not taking the under. Now, if you say, well, BA, what what would be the game that would push Georgia the most? To me, it's a true road game, and it's probably not South Carolina, although I you know, do think that Shane Beamer is doing some pretty cool stuff there. And then I think that Rattler's setting up for a pretty good year for the Gamecocks. But there's a lot of like line of scrimmage issues and things like that that can't necessarily be fixed in just one year for South Carolina. To me, it's at Kentucky or it's at Mississippi State. Those are the two places where I think that Georgia would have the most chance of not looking as pretty as they're supposed to. I mean, Georgia did not play very well at Kentucky in 2020 against the spread. Wildcats, probably the SEC team that's given Georgia the most grief here of the teams that it plays, you know, most frequently. And then got Mississippi State. It's kind of its own little deal there, too. So, you know, for me, I am not uh, expecting Georgia to lose a regular season game. But if Georgia does get challenged more than the experts think, Mike, to me, it comes down to Kentucky or it comes down to Mississippi State. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, Florida is in Jacksonville, always a question mark game. And, you know, Tennessee with that offense is a bit of a wild card. I'm with you. I don't think South Carolina will be ready that early in the season. Uh, again, individually, I wouldn't pick Georgia to lose any games, but I, I think I would take the one loss just based on history and just based on the, the there's just, there's so many questions and they all seem to be good answers, but. The more questions you have, the more likely it is that one could trip you up at some point. All right, let me do one more thing before I let you go. You know, we like bold predictions. You enjoy doing that kind of thing. I do there as well. But if you make a bold prediction, people are going to kind of <laughs> you know, take jabs at you because if it's not uh, out there a little bit, it wouldn't necessarily be considered a bold prediction. So I gave one a little earlier in the show, and I'll give you the first chance to call me an idiot for saying it. My bold prediction is I think that George is going to shut out Oregon to begin the year. I think it's going to be <laughs> – it's it, this is going to be uh you know an angry defense that's been told for an offseason they're not as good as the one in 2021 and David Pollock may turn out to be right statistically speaking there may be a significant regression here but I don't believe it happens week one against a rookie head coach with a quarterback that Georgia's dominated three previous times traveling 3,000 miles away and by the way Duck's not very good offensively the last couple of years themselves out there in the Pac-12. I don't think that Georgia has a ton of motivation to hang 50 on Oregon because I don't think that Kirby probably wants to embarrass Dan Lanning. But keeping a zero on the scoreboard if they have a chance, yeah, my guess is Georgia would probably like to do that because typically speaking, they seem to enjoy that kind of thing. So I'll throw it out there. Um, maybe sure to be wrong and probably getting some grief for, uh, you know, uh, maybe <laughs> being a little too bold. Uh, but I'm calling for a shutout week one against Oregon. Mike, what do you think? I think that's pretty bold. <laughs> I think that's really, really bold. Uh, I don't know that they've dominated Nick so much as Nick has had a horrible supporting cast. I don't know how much better 
his supporting cast is going to be at Oregon. Um, I, I, I shut out Bill Brandon. I, I mean, that is, that is bold, bold, bold. I, I told you, you could you call I, I said you could call me an idiot if you want to listen. No. If, if you're going to do stuff like that, you got to put yourself out there. So you get the first no. crack at telling me I'm dumb for saying it. No, I'm not. You know what? No, because I just, I don't know enough about Oregon yet. I, I think their defense is going to be really good. And I think George is going to have more trouble scoring points against Oregon than people think because of landing. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's fun, right? I mean, it's preseason. This is when we talk and, and who knows? My bold prediction is that Georgia will wear uh, alternate uniforms because Oregon will. I, I think we're going to see some well, fun uniforms. Yeah, you know people thought that after yesterday because when they put the uh, duck hunt video out, people saw Harry wearing the black jersey, and they thought that was a little bit of an homage. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I, I don't know that. But, but Mike, you definitely have a lot of Georgia fans from yesterday thinking that's what that video was, was a wink and a nod in the direction of. Yeah, I could see it, you know, and Kirby's not much of a fan of alternate uniforms, but hey, it's recruiting, it's Atlanta, it's a nationally televised game, and it's Oregon, so you got to answer the call against the Ducks. By the way, did you have a Nintendo Entertainment System? I did. Did you play Duck Hunt? I I, I did not. I played it in the arcade, though, and, uh, and I, I was in the military, and uh, it's interesting, I I, I was I was an expert with the M16. I felt pretty good about it. But outside of the military, I never really wanted to play the gun too much. Uh, maybe in the video, like arcade occasion. But you said you did have a Nintendo. What did you play on it? Uh, I played Techno, man. I played Techno okay. Bowl. Yeah, Back original Techno Bowl. And, uh, and, and, Mar- and Mario Kart, of course, right? Who was your Techno Bowl team? Oh, it was the Broncos. Okay. I, I was the Broncos fan. I had no apologies. Uh, LA fan all the way here. Yeah, this is the one thing where I'm like, I'm going to lose my, you know, Georgia, you know, you know, fan card a little bit because I loved being the Raiders, man. I, like I've always had oh, a little man. bit of a thing oh, for. That's not fair. That's not fair. I've always had I've always had a little thing for Bo Jackson on these video games, and you know, far <laughs> be it for me to ever you know have any affection for an Auburn Tiger, but uh, uh, but uh, Bo Jackson was fun on that game and the original like. EA Sports College football game, which came out like 93, you know, the old mm-hmm. Auburn 83 team on that. Bo was pretty fun to play with these uh, video games back in the day. I do have to admit that. It's going to look like that against Oregon with these crazy uniforms. Mike, good stuff. Thanks for being here. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Appreciate it. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Somehow Mike Griffith playing Nintendo is kind of an interesting vision to try to uh, visual to try to get in your head there. But yeah, original Tecmo Bowl played that. Um, uh, Mike's probably right that the Raiders are probably unfair to play with. But what I would always do is and I was listen. I've never been a big video game guy. I was, I was never very good at video games. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm by no means like an expert video game person. Never really was. But when I would get close to the goal line with the Raiders and Tech Mobile, I'd always let like Jay Schrader, the quarterback, run it in, <laughs> just because that wasn't one of the design plays. Because you only had four plays in the playbook, and I used to always like to see. I don't know. I used to do that. So that was uh, the deal there. Pretty good stuff. Here's what else is good. Cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Your chance to cruise with Royal Caribbean here this summer there as well. Uh, My wife and I were talking about a Royal Caribbean cruise yesterday. We want to be back on one again, trying to figure out when that might be for us. You're going to be doing the same thing there, too, whether it's the Caribbean or Alaska or you got, you know, ports of call all throughout Europe and places like that. This is just a great time to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. What you're going to learn is that the 
Destination's obviously great, but it's actually the ship itself. It's almost like a destination in its own right. If you're watching a video, you see the ice skating show that these Royal Caribbean cruise ships have their own ice rink. Now, in times, you can actually you know skate on them yourself, but you also see these like world-class ice skating shows with like Olympic-level performers in there. You also have full-on, full-fledged Broadway-style productions. The uh, Oasis-class ships have the Aqua Theater on the back of the ship. It's like a big amphitheater off the back of the ship where you see like a giant high-diving show, and that that's happening on the ship while the ship is moving in the ocean it's a really miraculous thing but it's the dedication that royal caribbean has to making sure that the best possible entertainment options are available for you and that's why you want to check it out so go to tcava.com that website is for our friends at the cruise and vacation authority it's a travel agency that can help you get the most out of your royal caribbean cruise vacation you can also call 770-952-8300 that's 770-952-8300 make sure you check out royal caribbean cruises here this summer with our friends at the cruise and vacation authority all right let's get your uh sec through up and running here we talked to mike about point spreads a moment ago what FanDuel has said uh danny sheridan longtime college football odds maker there as well was on twitter yesterday with kind of his own spin on this i think we have danny's tweet we can show it to you here he says barring injuries bama georgia and ohio state are preseason double digit favorites on everyone on their schedule. He says the lowest line for any of these teams, Alabama is a 15-point favorite at Texas. Now, pause on that for a moment. Think about the hype we've had for Alabama-Texas the last couple of days. Big noon kickoff on Fox, huge brand, the thought that maybe Arch Manning is watching to see how Texas plays in a situation like that. Alabama going on the road, true road game at the beginning of the season, at least you know near the beginning of the season after playing a lot of non-conference neutral side type matchups and after all the hype all the buildup bama is still a 15 point favorite according to danny sheridan same thing for texas a&m bama a 16 point favorite there that's a home game this year but think about revenge for the for the win last year and nil and all the stuff that a&m supposedly has going for it according to danny sheridan alabama still a 16 point favorite let me see the rest of these here for a moment uh he says also 16 against Arkansas and LSU. It's always amazing to me how much odds makers still like LSU, despite the fact that this hadn't been LSU in quite some time. For Ohio State, their closest point spreads uh, is a 14-point number against Michigan, a 13-point number against Penn State. And then for Georgia, according to Danny Sheridan, he's got this odd a little smaller than some other folks do. Their closest point spread. Now, get this from Danny Sheridan. The closest point spread of the entire season. Can I say it one more time because I forgot what it said? Is it 15 and a half? Yeah, according to Sheridan, the Georgia-Florida line at 15 and a half, that's his number, is the is the narrowest point spread for Georgia for the entire, or is it most narrow? Either way, <laughs> like I said, these verb tenses kind of, kind of get me sometimes. Uh, but either, anyway, uh, the uh, uh, that that point spread is the, is the smallest spread for Georgia for the entire year, 15 and a half. It just kind of goes to show you there are three teams right now that are head and shoulders above everybody else. Now, you got to have four teams for a playoff. So if you want to rubber stamp those three, who's your fourth? That's where the debate might be. Or is there a chance that one of those teams isn't as good as on paper you would think they'd be before the year began? And listen, you poll a bunch of people, they're going to want to say that about Georgia. Oh, it ain't Georgia. That, you know, they're not going to be able to come back after winning the national championship. They lost this and they lost that and whatever, whatever, whatever. Don't be so quick to assume that. If one of those three teams disappoints, that Georgia will be the one that does. Don't be so quick to assume that for a thousand reasons, for reasons I don't have time to get into right now. 
But if one of those three, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, the three teams who are double-digit favorites over everybody, the three teams who are for the most part be in everybody's playoff, if one of them stumbles, if one of them doesn't get there, do not be so quick to assume that Georgia's going to be the one that does. Uh, by the way, speaking of Alabama, former Alabama wide receiver Jai Hall is back in the news here again. So here's the story. So <laughs> Nick Saban, you know, subtweeted Hall like a million times while he was playing for Alabama, kind of complained about him after the season was over, essentially, you know, in so many words, basically blaming his lack of commitment and dedication to the program as being one of the reasons that Alabama couldn't bounce back after Jamison Williams got hurt in the national championship game. I think it's pretty safe to say that Jai Hall may be Nick Saban's least favorite player ever coach, even though he coached him for a brief period of time. I don't think there's any love lost between Saban and Hall. For the most part, everybody knows that. Well, then Hall transferred from Alabama and went to Texas. Now, this is still a big deal because even if he wore out his welcome fast at Alabama, this is still a former five-star wide receiver and an immense talent. Even through all of the issues that Hall had while he was at Alabama, this is still a guy that Saban had on the field in the national championship game. That's how talented he is, overcoming what was obviously a stark difference in personalities between the coach and the player there on all of that. But then the last couple of days, Hall has reportedly, I haven't seen this in my own eyes, but the internet's been talking about it, has reportedly removed all of his Texas stuff from his Instagram. And that has gotten some folks saying, well, Hall is also leaving Texas now after you know transferring to there from Alabama. There has even been a report out there at one point in time that Hall was no longer visible on the Texas roster that's available online. There has since been some reporting that says, well, the reason why he's not on the roster is because he's never been on the roster because he hasn't enrolled yet, that he won't be on the roster until he actually enrolls. Chip Brown from 24-7 Sports had this, that according to folks he's talked to, including a 7-on-7 coach that knows Jay Hall very well, that it's incorrect that Hall is leaving Texas. So this has been uh, uh, this has been talked about, but apparently it is, at least according to a 24-7 reporter who's talked to people close to Hall, it is not true that Hall is leaving Texas. He hasn't actually gotten to Texas yet. But, I mean, what does it mean when somebody removes evidence from Instagram, you know, social media pictures, things like that? I don't know. Maybe it means nothing. But in this particular case, it got the rumor mill swirling, and a source close to Ajay Hall right now says that is not true. And then finally, there's this. Paul Feinbaum had an interesting statement the other day about the one team that Alabama was kind of afraid of, that Nick Saban was kind of afraid of, being Texas A&M, that this thought in the post-NIL you know, NIL world of, or I should say the post-2022 recruiting cycle world where people, a lot of people believe A&M used NIL to leverage the number one class and They've got unparalleled financial resources, and they're going to use that. Saban said, or should say Feinbaum has said this week that he thinks that's a concern for Nick Saban. That's the kind of thing that's worried about him. Well, what if Texas and Texas A&M started throwing around that money the way they possibly can? And listen, around here for the most part, we don't make too big of a deal about what Paul Feinbaum says about anything. But in this particular case, I do think this starts a pretty interesting conversation, and, and, and that's this, is that there are limits to what money can buy. And there's no doubt that money helps, right? Whether you're paying coaches or building facilities, Georgia's obviously unveiled a brand new facility yesterday and Smart had some things to say about that. But but whatever the thing is, there are obviously ways in which money helps. But there is a limit to what money can help you do. And that's even true when it comes to 
paying players in the new NIL world or the rumored payment to players in the old school under the table world or you know whatever may have been going on past present and even into the future in college football there will be limits to what money can buy and if you don't believe me look outside the world of college sports where it's still theoretically about amateurism look at professional sports where it's all about money i mean how much money have you know the dodgers thrown at the entire world right now who won the world series last year the atlanta braves did yeah the dodgers won a world series but it was a pandemic world series you know uh, you know other than that you're talking about even a team that can throw around whatever money they want to still at times kind of coming up short and you see the same thing like think about all the attention like super team brooklyn nets type get or, or all the talent gets you know surrounding lebron james in any number of places sometimes you win sometimes you don't but the point is is that just acquiring talent has never in sports been enough to guarantee a championship there is a final step towards taking a championship that money can't purchase for you and it's certainly good to be able to buy players and it's certainly good to be able to buy whatever else the college football programs use to their benefit to acquire more players and keep players happy and develop players and everything like that. But money alone is never going to do anything that it really is about what you do with the players once you're on, once they're on your campus. And this is where you can certainly pat George on the back for this a bit, because last year Georgia found a way to get a bunch of talented players to want to play together. When a guy like Amarius Mims had a chance to leave Georgia and leave that system that had worked well for so many guys, go to a place like Florida State, we're led to believe for, for you know, some money. There'd certainly been some talk about the NIL type thing. Decide not to do it. That 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 ultimately, whatever recipe exists for winning at Georgia, the kind of thing that he seems like he saw there that maybe he didn't see somewhere else, and that was an attractive thing for him. And conversely. We're about to find out. And some of you know, I do think of Jimbo Fisher as a pretty good coach. And I do think of Jimbo Fisher as a pretty good hire by Texas A&M when it made it. And I do think those recruiting wins that A&M put together even prior to having the number one class for the most recent cycle. I do think that's evidence of Jimbo probably building something at A&M that did have a chance to, to really be a competitor alongside Alabama. But the money alone is not enough to do that. And we're about to find out, in addition to money, what else does Texas A&M have? The kind of money that certainly pays Jimbo a bunch, allegedly has paid a bunch of recruits a, a bunch there as well. But what else besides money is there? Is there grit? Is there toughness? Is there tenacity? Is there a competitive fire? Um, is there development? Last year's NFL draft calls that last thing into question. Think about Leon O'Neill, former greater recruit, not drafted. Think about Jalen Watermeyer, tight end, they threw to a ton, undrafted. Think about Isaiah Spiller, who in a lot of ways was kind of one of the focal points of their offense, kind of a mid-round type draft pick, certainly not using that to any great effect. We're about to find out this season, in addition to money, what Texas A&M has. And just think about the future of Georgia football and how it kind of fits into a world where NIL and things like that are, are more important than they used to be. You know, if you could wave a magic wand and give George exactly what it needs, it wouldn't just be money. Now, it also wouldn't exclude money. It, it clearly includes money as a part of this. But money alone has never been enough to buy championships in any sport, college football included. Important to keep that in mind. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And speaking of money, 
one of the things we love around here, well, first of all, we just sort of love money in general, but one of the things we also love is money raised for a great cause. And on this upcoming Monday, we have a chance to be a part of an organization and an event where that's definitely going to be taking place. Our friends, David Pollock and the Pollock Family Foundation, doing a great golf tournament, something they've done now for a number of years. The 2022 installment takes place this upcoming Monday. We're going to be live on the scene there with them, hopefully having a bunch of special guests on our program on Monday to go along with all of that, but also helping to support a great cause. The Pollock Family Foundation also teaming up with Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. You've heard about the Strong for Life initiative where uh, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta is helping families with children lead healthier lives and uh, make good decisions regarding exercise, nutrition, things like that. Well, that's what Strong for Life is doing for Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. That's what the Pollock Family Foundation has been about for quite some time. And the big golf tournament on Monday certainly goes to support all that there as well. Now, we had David on the show on Friday. David also talked about some other things that are going on with the Pollock Family Foundation right now, just making a really big impact in the community. We love it when the former dogs leverage their fame for the benefit of those who maybe don't have everything that they need, and clearly that's what David Pollock's all about there as well. So check out the website, PollockFamilyFoundation.com. That's PollockFamilyFoundation.com. And you can see all the cool stuff the Pollock Family Foundation is doing. You can even get involved by making a donation and watching your money go towards a great, great cause. So make sure you check out PollockFamilyFoundation.com today. All right, a couple of golden shoes as we say goodbye to you here today. I'll show you the first one here. And I always like the uh, submissions that we get. And a pretty fun one coming up here right now. So uh, speaking of Texas A&M, LeBrian shared with us me on Twitter it's very funny. We talk about Texas and having money. Apparently, one thing they don't have enough money for is the postage due on a lot of their recruiting mailers. So LeBrian shares this message from a coach. I believe it's in Louisiana, the coach is. Uh, he says, thank you to Texas A&M for recruiting our players. However, with all due respect, I will not be paying for your postage. So the uh, the envelope says postage due, 98 cents. Texas A&M didn't put enough stamps on there. So J.J. Cavanaugh shared that. That's the coach on Twitter. And LeBrian shared it with me. I thought it was really funny. And also uh, another great golden shoe submission here as well. Ray Turner says, B.A., get at your boy. You see him enjoying a little finish long drink there. Now, keep this on the screen here for a moment. Look at the uh, look at Ray Turner's setup here in his backyard here for a moment. Not only is he enjoying some great finished long drink, which you love to see. Look at those coasters. Those are Georgia National Championship coasters with his last name on them. That is really classy. Then back there in the back, how about the uh, kind of handmade custom sign? Obviously, his uh, last name, the Turner's Backyard Bar and Grill, proudly serving whatever you brought. This is a really cool backyard setup. Finished long drink goes great with that. I can promise you that. So good to see Ray having a great time there. Uh, good to see the finished long drink a part of that. Also very, very classy backyard setup. What a great time of year to be outside enjoying all of that. So well-earned golden shoe for uh, Ray there on that. Lousy stinking gators. They have no backyard parties. They have no national championship coasters. They have none of that to celebrate because it's been 4,878 days since they have won a national championship. And the news gets worse. 164 days from right now. Georgia back in Jacksonville. Danny Sheridan says by 15 and a half points, going to be beaten up on those lousy, stinking Gators again. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. This is Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Pest Management. We will look forward to seeing all of you back here again tomorrow. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast cooldown, or at least a version of it. Funny story. We recorded one. Your comments read those. But somehow, I guess the tape machine ate it. I don't know. 
we don't even use a tape machine. I don't really know what happened, but it cannot be found. And so I don't want to delay posting the show any longer. So let me beg your pardon for the lack of cool down. We did do one. I read your comments, but now they are uh, lost forever. And we'll come back and do one of these again tomorrow. So have a good day. Thanks for being here for all of this. Check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com. And we'll see you tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. And we will talk to you then.